What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Big Show, brought to you by the two of us, Alex Day and Corey Cercina. We will be your guides through all things Big Ten football this week. If you like what you hear, please follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. We would greatly appreciate it. We want to hear what you have to say. And we think you want to hear what we have to say. And there is a lot to talk about. Um, first and foremost, uh, I would just like to say um, to any of the rumors that are swirling out there, uh, I hate Ethan Davidson, and that's why we don't go on the podcast at the same time anymore. Um, so that is why uh, we've been doing this back and forth. I'm just kidding. No, Ethan is not with us tonight because uh, he is having some car troubles. He, Ethan might be the most unlucky person. Are unlucky in some ways and very lucky in other ways. So like it's the luck balances yeah. out quite a bit, but Ethan's doing fine. I love Ethan. We went to the Michigan, Michigan state game last weekend. So, Hey, you know what? Things happen. And I love that you guys are, are on good terms. I would hate to be in the middle of some love triangle and have to be the middleman between you two. And a lot of, he said, he said, I'm not about that. It so might make for a pretty I'm good better. podcast story though. You know what? Maybe if something dramatic ever happens, I'll just start a spinoff cast about how the big show fell apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 30 for 30. But this weekend of college football, I feel like we get one or two of these every year, maybe even just one. Like this felt like the weekend where a lot of the big dogs, a lot of the big guys fell off. And we got some really important games and really big upsets that are going to mean a lot for what happens going forward in CFP rankings. You had Tennessee go down to Georgia. You had Alabama go down to LSU. You had Clemson. You lose to Notre Dame. You had in the Big Ten, Illinois lose to Michigan State. Like big things are happening. This was that weekend in college football where the other foot dropped. And it's, it's always my favorite weekend of the year. I, I, I agree. This was an incredible day or incredible weekend to sit on your couch and just watch as many college football games as humanly possible. Um, but I would like to say that, and as we transitioned into the college football playoff rankings conversation, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. First and foremost, that our, First ever number one in the college football playoff rankings and number one in the AP coaches poll faced off in the regular season. And it ended up being like not the best game of the weekend. And like people spent $600 just to get into this game. And it was like, eh, like it's okay. I wouldn't spend $600 on that game. And then a resume booster for Alabama with a top 10 two loss LSU team just gearing up for Alabama to be able to say, oh, they had another top 10 win on, on their schedule, ends right. up losing that game. So the whole plan is like all out the window, an absolutely wild and crazy week, and then possibly, potentially opening the door for the unthinkable ESPN's worst nightmare to Big Ten teams in the college football playoff. That's, they don't want that, not at all. They do not want that whatsoever. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into the CFP rankings. We record on Tuesdays, so this just came out. We haven't had a lot of time to think about this. We're going to be reacting on the fly. But let me give everybody the top 10. So Clemson dropped down to 10. 
Bama dropped to nine. USC is at eight. LSU climbed to seven. Oregon is at six. Tennessee drops to five. And TCU, finally getting the credit they deserve, comes in at number four. Michigan at three. Ohio State at two. And Georgia at one. Uh, My initial reaction to these rankings, one through 25, and the other two Big Ten teams to mention, Penn State at 14, Illinois drops to 21 after they lost to Michigan State. So so we're a Big Ten podcast, and you mentioned ESPN's worst fear of two Big Ten teams getting into the playoff. I think there were there was some good that happened this weekend in terms of two Big Ten teams getting there. Uh, one of those things was Clemson losing, right? That's a good thing for the Big Ten to try to get there. But a, I think almost just as much bad happened for the Big Ten, too. And when I say bad, I mean Illinois losing to an unranked bad Michigan State team at home and Maryland losing, taking their third loss and not getting into the top 25, which I think they would have had they won. I think those two things happening, diminishing the resume of a Michigan, um, I think, I, I don't know how much progress we actually made toward getting two Big Ten teams into the playoff. That's my initial reaction. I don't know if you have something different or you want to rebut that or just whatever your initial reaction is to these rankings. Well, I personally, I think the top four is right. I think just about everybody in America could say these are the top four teams in the country. You can make arguments over their rankings in that top four, but Georgia is clearly the best team in the country, in my expert opinion. But my expert opinion doesn't amount for much. Um, Ohio State sitting at two makes sense. Michigan uh, winning this week, uh, despite all of the chaos, and many people thought they should have been the fourth or the third-ranked team last week. That makes sense. And TCU is undefeated. They haven't lost a game in a very competitive Big 12 conference. So I think the top four is clearly right. It's just that everything else is, I think, yes, in agreement, it doesn't bode well for Michigan in the sense that um, if Michigan were to lose that last game of the year against Ohio State, they would have, as it stands right now, a whopping zero ranked wins. Zero, which is crazy to think about. Wait, they'd have one, right? Well, if they if they went out before Ohio State, they'd have Penn State and oh, Illinois. Penn so they'd State, only have- excuse me. So they, I apologize. Penn, I always forget about Penn State. So they have one ranked win against Penn State right, right now. now. Yeah. Um, Ohio State, their ranked win against Penn State, and now Notre Dame, which we all thought was that was an afterthought. They weren't very good. Now they are mostly – are they in the rankings right now? I didn't see the tail end. Um, Notre Dame is at 20. Okay, so Notre Dame is now the 20th ranked team. So now Ohio State has two. Um, and at the time, was it one, – one spot, one spot above Illinois. Right. Oh, Illinois is still ranking. Illinois is this still is ranked. Horrible. They're at 21. I should, have, I should have looked at this. I literally just got back. But regardless. Raw reactions. Raw reactions. Real um, – I think the problem with Michigan was like, oh, their their resume wasn't that great. And this is a weekend that it does not help them if they lose to Ohio State. Now, you look at a team like Ohio State this week who 
is now looking like a very one-dimensional offense. Um, and the biggest question was how tough are they as far as if it gets nitty and gritty, if it gets to where Ohio State can't show their style points, how are they going to perform? Now, they, they won the game in, at Northwestern, which was a monsoon of a game. Um, but it looked pretty dicey for a second there. Um, but every team is going to have those things. And then you just get into a bunch of semantics and back and forth, back yeah. and forth. I'll say this. I, if, I think TCU is good, is very good. I do not think that they will finish the year undefeated. The Big 12 is notorious for beating up on each other. And you can make the arguments like, oh, the Big 12 conference isn't that good. I would make the argument that the Big 12 parity is probably the best in all of the Power Five. I think all of those teams are so close to each other as far as talent gap and talent level um, that you are going to get a week where you have an Oklahoma State who was top 10 three weeks ago get absolutely plastered two weeks in a row by conference opponents who, by the way, are pretty good teams. They didn't just lose to like uh, a winless Miami of Ohio team. They didn't lose to the, no, the Ohio's or excuse me, Oklahoma state got pounded, but they got pounded by ranked opponents. (laughs) Right. In a very, very competitive big 12. So it's just, what do you want? If you were the college football playoff committee, do you want a team to just win all their games, regardless of who's on their schedule, however good they are, however not good they are, or do you want a team that is playing quality opponents week in, week out? And I think that like no one team is going to fall into that resume, but they'll go to either side. And I think TCU is that team that will be like, okay, we've played a good team every single week. And maybe in the Big Ten, because of how lopsided the divisions are, like we've played good teams in our division, but we still have to mix in these other teams that are clearly not on our level. Yep. Yeah. So let's let's project a little bit here and talk through one or two scenarios. So I think the easiest scenario for the committee in terms of choosing who the top four teams are might not be their ideal top four, but I think the easiest choice for them to make would be Georgia wins out. They're number one. Uh Undefeated Big Ten champ is number two. And undefeated conference champ TCU is number three. And a one-loss Pac-12 champ is number four. I think that's probably the easiest cut-and-dry scenario that happens for the committee. Now, from the perspective of a Michigan fan and a Big Ten-focused podcast, and in the interest of trying to get Michigan and Ohio State both in the playoff, I think the easiest way to try to do that is for TCU to lose a game. Doesn't matter. I think so. You say you think they have to lose two. I think they have two. to lose two for there to be a chance. I personally don't think the committee respects TCU enough. I feel like they look at TCU how they look at Clemson, as like if you lose a game, that just gives us the freedom to drop you down as much as we actually want to in our minds. I think that's how they view TCU. I don't think they respect them and I don't think they respect the pack or sorry, not the pack, the big 12 all that much. I'm looking at the ranking right now. Uh, Kansas state at 19, Texas at 18. Um, those are the only other big 12 teams besides TCU. 
And you could easily see one or both of those falling what's, out before what's the year. What's the ACC end. as it stands right now? The ACC, as of right now, Florida State's at 23. Uh, NC State's at 16. North Carolina's at 15. Is Tulane? Tulane's not an no, ACC no, 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 team, no. right? They're the best of five. That's right. Uh, and then Clemson at 10. So in your opinion, do you – they, they actually have more in the top 25 than the Big 12 or the Big 10. So in, And they drop Clemson all the way down to 10. In your opinion, do you think the ACC or the Big 12 is better? I think the Big 12 is better. Personally, I do too. Even though they don't have as many top 25 teams. Because look at – we left Notre Dame for dead, and they've beaten Syracuse. They've beaten Clemson. And I know they beat one other ACC team. I want to say they beat North Carolina, didn't they? Who? Or they kept it close. Who? Who beat who? Notre Dame played – they've beaten two ACC teams, and they kept another one close or one. So I don't know how to feel about the ACC. Well, okay. Well, so here's the thing, because it, from what I just gave you, and I'll keep this very, very brief, the Big 12 beats up on each other, right? Okay, in football. Right. So that's where this – like all these – oh, well, they beat each other. There's not really a clear-cut number one team, blah, 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 blah. If that's the opinion – of Big 12 football when you go to a literal different sport in the Big 10 and everyone's like, oh, the Big 10 is so tough because they beat up on each other all the time in basketball. And then we choke in the tournament. Oh, they choke in the tournament, but they always have the most teams in the tournament. So, like, why why is this, like, the narrative for – it's the same narrative in a sense yeah. where one conference beats up within each that's within fair. each other. And then it's like, Oh, that's a weak conference. Like, Oh no, that's a strong conference. College sports are just so different in how they're, so, and how they're rated and ranked. Um, and yeah. you just have to have some clarity. And unfortunately we haven't seen any of that from the college football playoff committee, which I guess is why there was such a push to expand this thing and, this is the perfect storm and perfect season to do that expansion because there are so many teams that you could easily throw into the top four. Maybe not so many. That's but true. That are closer than you think. So I want to, I want to, I want to elaborate for you on what I think would need to happen for, or honestly, this is why I think it's very unlikely that two big 10 teams make the playoff. So let's say that TCU loses a game. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that a one loss TCU is not in the playoff. That's just gonna be even if they're the Big Twelve champion. I don't think they would value that Big Twelve championship enough to put them in over a one loss Tennessee or a one loss Michigan or Ohio State. Personally, okay. so let's just say that that's the case. I think it's very 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 likely that Georgia wins out, and that no matter who it is, we have a one loss Pac twelve champ. Yeah. I think both of those teams are in. And then let's say the third team in, who would probably be ranked number two, is an undefeated Big Ten team. Okay, So those are three spots that are spoken for. Now with the fourth spot, you've got a one-loss. Let's just say for argument's sake, it's Michigan. You've got a one-loss TCU, who's a Big 12 champ. And you've got a one-loss Tennessee, let's say. Now all of a sudden... You're diagnosing these resumes, and because of what happened this weekend, oh, Illinois loses to Michigan State? Oh, Maryland? Maryland can't run the ball worth a dime on the road and at Wisconsin? Like, Maryland's got three losses now. 
I mean, how how likely do you think it is that they finish in the top twenty five? So so Michigan could finish with one loss, the only loss being to the number two team in the country. And while everyone's eyes and brain tells you tells them that Michigan's one of the top four teams, uh, well, Tennessee has a better loss. It would be the number one team. Uh, they have a better win against an Alabama who's ranked in the top 10 while Penn State's just outside of it. It's going to be really, really hard unless some teams unexpectedly trip up for the committee to put a one-loss Big Ten team in there over a Tennessee because the rest of the Big Ten is blowing chunks. In that scenario, in that exact scenario right there, I don't think there would be any way that TCU is left out. If they are the conference champion, if they have one loss, I don't care they have one loss. If they're the conference champion of the Big 12, they will go in over a one-loss Michigan and one-loss Tennessee who did not win their conference. I do not care because most likely, who are you going to play in the conference championship if you're TCU? Probably, wait, do they have to bid? Oh, Texas. Texas. You're yeah. going to play Texas. And for whatever reason, the committee loves Texas because they, 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 TCU, TCU actually plays Texas this do week. Do they? Well, okay. So if that's their one loss, so they could potentially get two wins. If, well, even if they, even if they, even if they don't, if that's their one loss in the regular season to Texas and then they go and play them again and then they beat them, there's your, there's your premier win because Texas, Held it close to Alabama. They they only lost to him by one point. Blah 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 blah. It's just, yeah. I mean, look at look at all these other SEC teams that, it, it, and it's kind of the same thing with the SEC too. Like, it's a good conference, and they beat up on each other all of the time, right? The Ole Miss, LSU, the Alabamas, Tennessees, Georgia. Well, and Georgia's the only one who's been left unscathed, so you gotta give them credit. But Again, this is where we're seeing that disparity. The Big 12 sucks because the teams beat up on each other all the time, but the SEC is great because a two-loss LSU team can go ahead and beat an Alabama in overtime. It doesn't compute. You have to keep it at the same. If the conferences, if the teams in the conferences beat up on each other, is it's either a good thing or it's a bad thing. Yeah, you can't right. have it be good for one and bad for another. You can't. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're right. And I know I said that I think TCU's not in with a loss. I I I do think that I think it might be I think Tennessee with one loss is getting in over TCU because of the win over Bama. TCU would not have a win as good as Tennessee and they wouldn't have a loss as good as Tennessee either. And I think the committee would rather have a rematch between Tennessee and Georgia then see TCU go in there and probably get And conference around. championships mean nothing if that if that happens. If you have a one-loss conference champion over a one-loss SEC team, then they mean nothing. Uh, so to put a bow on this, what percentage chance do you think the Big Ten has of getting two teams in the playoff? Oh, uh, man, I don't know. Uh, ten. Yeah, I was going to say – I was going to say ten or lower. I think uh, – like I said, a couple of good things happened this weekend that would make you think, oh, maybe it's possible. But then you look closer at this, and the rest of the Big Ten keeps losing, and that does not bode well for Michigan or Ohio State, which means more emphasis put on the game in Columbus. Like, the marbles are all going to be in the horse. There's two games that you still have to play. You're right. There's two games. You're right. And if you lose one of those games – 
if you lose the game, then you have no chance of getting into the college football playoff. So like a loss wouldn't kill you because a one loss big 10 champion is not going to be left out of the playoff. It's never happened before. I think the only time it did happen was Ohio state had two losses and they were big 10 champions. So, yeah, I think you might be right. I can't remember, but, but regardless, Michigan, Ohio state, you control your own destinies, win out, and you don't have to worry about any of this. That's what it comes down to. Uh, have we exhausted the playoff? Yes, we've exhausted, we the we've playoff? exhausted the playoff. We need to move on from the playoff because we'll just get mad. Yes, we will. Um, all right, so super quickly then, we realized we forgot to do this on last week's podcast. We're slackers. Third quarter grades. In the, in the classroom. We're slackers in the classroom. We The teachers are late with their grades this semester. We're busy. Um, but nevertheless, we're we've got them this week. We're ready. We're ready. So we've got same tiers, valedictorian, then A to F. Uh, I'll start us off with the valedictorians. Uh, two teams. Clearly, I'm I'm abandoning the one valedictorian. Actually, you know what? I'm changing that. Ooh. There's only one valedictorian. You convinced me of that, Corey. And if I have to pick one right now, just one, it's the Michigan Wolverines. I think they've answered the questions uh, about their team more emphatically than any other team in the conference. Um, now there's still some questions remaining. I'll get into that when we break down the games, but that defense is playing lights out. The running game and offensive line are even better than last year. And you have a quarterback who gives you a little something extra compared to Cade McNamara. Michigan's my valedictorian. I'm going to stick with it because they've given me not really a whole lot of reason to change. It's still, it's still Ohio state that, that, win against Notre Dame is now looking better given that Notre Dame has turned the corner and beaten some, I mean, we think Clemson's overrated, but that's still a very good team in the landscape of college football and now found their way into the rankings once more. Um, And you got to win games. And if you win games, you get, you get the work done. Doesn't matter how it's done or, or what it looks like. If it is a quality it is going to get you an A. And Ohio State has done that every turn, every way, which without. So they've given me no reason to. They've they've maybe made me sweat a little bit. Okay. You may have misspelled something in the final term paper, but you know, it it's it's still the best that we have. So for my A team, I'm gonna take your valedictorian. Ohio State's getting an A from me. And the reason they're not valedictorian is because after after last school year, we told them, and they told us exactly what they were going to work on. It was being physical and being able to to ground and pound you just as much as they can big play over the top passing game you to death. Uh, and they had a perfect opportunity to do that this weekend, and they stumbled a little bit. Right, it wasn't stalled out for the entire game. They got the hang of it at some point, but Big Ten country on the road, cold game, sloppy. It was the perfect time for you to show off what you've been working on all summer, and uh, it didn't quite show up the way I wanted it to. So that's why they fall just below valedictorian. For me. Which is crazy to think because it's like they're still passing with flying colors. You're still getting a four point. Oh yeah, they're great. <laughs> it's so silly. Uh, I've got two. 
Number one being Michigan. Michigan, you've done everything that you need to do. You've scared us a little bit sometimes, but your ability to adjust to uh, to teaching has been superb. If you had an issue in the first half of your rough copy of your paper, you go out and you you make it flawless. They're the best in the they're the best in the Big Ten of doing that. The best in this class that I've seen. And I'm going to put Penn State in A solely Ooh. because of consistency. Some people will say, "Oh, like Ethan, you are exactly who you we thought you were. A very much middling you know, mid-ranked team in the top 25. But, I mean, you know what you're going to get with Penn State at this at this point. You're going to get good games when they play some tough opponents, whether at home or on the road, and they're going to beat the teams that you need to beat. So that's kind of my philosophy it was in the classroom. It's like I didn't really apply myself to be the best and the brightest, but I did just enough to get the A. So Penn State is is practically me in the classroom because I wasn't going to wow anybody. But I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna be the guy who's struggling along with B's and C's either. So there we go. I like tying in your own personal experience. It's painful. There. Stupid, uh, in, stupid right. intelligence or intelligent stupidness. I don't know. That's that's not a word. I regret opening my mouth again. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, um, B tier. So. These Bs, I'm going to spread out a little bit. I'm going to give one team a B plus. I'm going to give one team a B minus. Um, Penn State is getting a B plus for me. And Penn State fans might not enjoy hearing this, but you have a really good football team. You do. The two games you've lost have been to two of who, what everyone presumes are two of the top four teams in the country. And everyone else, you've really handled so I know, I know you're disappointed again, right? This, this is the student who is always trying to get over the hump and they just can't get there, right? They struggle with the multiple choice section so much and they just can't <laughs> get over the top. But nonetheless, they are a good student. They are hardworking and, and you know what you're going to get from them. You wish you got more, but they're still good. So they're going to be a plus for me. B minus for me is Illinois. We had such high hopes, right? That you were going to be a mark on these resumes for, you know, Michigan and potentially, you know, maybe in Ohio state or still Michigan who would play you in the big 10 championship game. We don't even know if you're going to make it out of the big 10 West now. Like now that's up in the air. You had a chance to lock it down this weekend. And now we're not even sure if you're going to graduate. So, this is a team that maybe squandered a little bit of an opportunity of an opportunity this weekend. And I don't know what to expect from them going forward. So they get to be minus from me. I'm going to flip this a little bit and I'm going to give you a very negative B plus Illinois team solely for this reason, because Illinois wasn't a Penn state. They weren't a Michigan. They weren't an Ohio state, but they were the best of the best when it came to the West. Okay. And they had every opportunity to get into that A tier, take care of business, but they're a West team at heart. And you just, you're like, you see the assignments that they turned in over the year. It's like, hey, if you just study a little bit more, you could get to that four point. You really could. You really could. But they refused and they overlooked 
and they they thought that an easy assignment was going to be worth not studying for because somebody got punched in the face and they couldn't play in the game, but they couldn't take care of business on their home court. They didn't apply themselves. They didn't study, and it, it, it cost them. A very frustrating B-plus, but a B-plus nonetheless because they're still, as it stands, the best in their very mediocre classroom. And I'll give a very positive B minus to Maryland because Maryland, I would say, and I would argue that is probably the student who has applied themselves the most and has made the most leaps and bounds as it was from last year. You wanted to see Maryland take that next step in the classroom and they truly have, they truly have done it. Now, are they putting in a work? Not consistently, I would say, and losing a game against Wisconsin, who is you know, traditionally one of the best and brightest in the classroom uh, in an embarrassing fashion, that's going to knock you down a few posts. But what you're happy about with this Maryland student is progress. And they have been improving slowly and steadily over these past two seasons. So a positive B minus a negative B plus, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. You're the teacher. You can do what you want. Yeah. If it doesn't make sense, frick you. (laughs) Good on you. (laughs) Good on you. Uh, C for me. I've only got one team getting a C, which, uh, spoiler alert, that means the rest of them are failing my class. But uh, the only team in the C range for me is Wisconsin. And the reason I'm giving them that, three and one since Jim Leonard has been named the interim head coach. Like this team, what felt like a lost season, they found something to, to fight for and to play for. And they're kind of just doing it for themselves and for their coach and for pride and for the school. And I, I think you love to see it. Like th- this is a kid who missed a lot of the first part of the year. Cause he was out sick, you know, sinuses and, and the flu and all that stuff. But, but the kid is coming back and he's making the most of his year. So I got Wisconsin giving, getting a, a real solid C. All right. I will, I will see your Wisconsin C and I'll add another group into this C as well. I'm not going to get off of the Wisconsin thing. Cause you pretty much said what I wanted to say, but I'm going to give Iowa a C and here's why given and how inept they were at the core classes of mathematics and, and science. Okay. They stuck to their strengths. They kept hitting the weights in gym class they kept, you know, doing their stuff in whatever other in study hall, you know, making sure two plus two equals four. Okay. And they have clawed their way back into this pitiful, pitiful Big Ten West race. And Alex, let me tell you, there is still a path for this Iowa football team to make it to the biggest night of the year in academics. And it's not with it's not out of question. It's not like the crazy, like no. there's going to be a seven way tie for like for Northwestern. No, there is a viable no. way that Iowa can get. And how do you maintain that? You win your games, you win the games that you need to win. It's like Wisconsin. They won the games they needed to win. They won a really gross and rough game against Maryland in the rain and Iowa just played bully ball. They simply punched Purdue in the mouth until they gave up essentially and good on you, Iowa. Good on you. 
So it sounds like a lot of us are about to have some kids failing our class. Oh. And this is this is how no, I'm I feel going about first. The Big I'm going Ten. first. No, you you shut up. Shut up. Everybody else is failing. Okay? But the only the only student I'm going to talk about here is Purdue. Oh, Purdue. You had one of the most promising students in Aiden O'Connell. And Aiden O'Connell has regressed to Spencer Petrus levels of ineptitude. <gasps> there is no. there is no reason. The, 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 the kid, I shouldn't even say kid. I'm pretty sure he's older than I am. He has thrown more <laughs> interceptions the past three games than touchdown passes. It is so upsetting. And it's so it's even more frustrating and why you get a feeling great because everybody else is keeping the door open for you to still potentially win this conference division. But every opportunity that you have to put yourself in a better situation, you just forget how to play football. I don't think I've seen Purdue score a touchdown in three weeks. It's been that long. Their, their play like. calling is miserable. Their quarterback play has been hot garbage. From a sixth-year senior, which is inexcusable, and your defense is just is is Swiss cheese. The the angles that these guys take is horrible. Have you learned nothing in my class? Have you learned not how to adapt in the class? Make adjustments. I've written in red on your papers every single week. Do you not know how to read? Do I need a different? Are you colorblind? Do you? I need a different color for you. Because you have some people like Maccabee, who really is 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 doing his best, but he's being held down by your ineptitude in a different area every single week. And I wish I could just fail you and kick you out of my class, but I can't because somehow you're still alive in this mess. But you're not doing yourself any favors. You get an F until maybe that'll wake you up. You get an F until you can prove to me otherwise. Everybody else, you've been horrible. Michigan State, okay, good for you. You bounced back. That was pretty impressive. I will give you that. Maybe you can become bowl eligible. But everybody else, you have failed expectations miserably. And I am disappointed in you. Every single one. Yeah, I'm not I'm not going to spend any time on these teams either. I, the reason all of these teams, the only difference for me is Maryland gets an F for me. And that's the only difference between the two of us. But the reason all these teams are getting Fs is – I don't know what you are. I, I don't know what you're good at. Like there, you know, some days it's this subject. Sometimes some days it's the other, like you just flip a coin on any given day and you don't know what team is going to show up on the field for the rest of the big 10, which is why it's so infuriating to watch every week as, as an Illinois goes out there and, and poops the bed against the Michigan state. And, you know, you just don't know what you're getting from anybody. And it's infuriating to watch this conference just just implode on itself after the clear top three of Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. You know, you know what Purdue's really good at? Purdue gets an A in disappointment. I am so sick oh. of you. I'm so sick of you. Go to the back of the class. I don't want to see you right now. He's not, he's not even mad anymore. He's just disappointed. It's just, it's, it drives me up a wall. Can we talk about this game? Can we be done? I'm now. I need to rip into him further. We got it. We got to do this. We're going. We're going. So no, you know I'm taking the lead. We're going into Iowa Purdue as a game recap, and I had the unfortunate 
just experience to be able to sit there and watch this game with my roommate buddy who is a Purdue grad. And I just kept sitting there and saying, I, I, I can't believe I did it. I was, I was sounding like a Lions fan. I can't believe I bought in. And he's like, I tried to tell you, this is all they've ever been. This is all they've ever done. All they've ever done is disappointing. You have a home game against an offense that has shown zero signs of life. Oh. And you put out that performance, especially a week after that you've been embarrassed. What adjustments did you make? You didn't make any adjustments. And I said, I would have said last week, it was uh, Wisconsin, Purdue, I think, or no, was it? No, that was a couple weeks ago, that their um, production into a running play was so slow. Okay. Like how that all unfolded was horrendously slow in the Wisconsin game. This week, their passing game was not creative. They couldn't move the ball at all. Now, I will, Iowa was still a top five defense, but still, at the very least, get into a ugly out with Iowa and like win this game seven to three. Right. Bruise them. Do something to move the ball in incremental paces. And I feel like we all should have known this because Purdue hasn't been able to consistently run the ball at all. And some of their cornerbacks are the highest rated players in college football, according to Pro Football Focus. And if you're a one-dimensional passing offense, that is a recipe for disaster. At least put them, like, keep them off balance and get a lead early because that's how you're going to beat an Iowa team like this. If you get up early, their offense is not going to be able to keep up with you. That was the only shot that Purdue had, and they played an uninspired football game against a team that they desperately needed to win. But again, the frustration instills because they're still somehow, some way alive in this race. And if they if they go and beat Illinois next week, they're in the driver's seat somehow. They are. Um, and Iowa, with the win this week, actually jumped – Purdue to be in possession of second place in the Big Ten West because they own the tiebreaker with Purdue. I mean, it's just we wrote Iowa off weeks ago, and then then this happens. So let me give everyone the final score. As you can tell, they lost. Purdue did. Iowa scored 24 points on Purdue, and Spencer Petrus looked Good. Yeah, good for him. You know what? Good for him. I'm I'm very happy for Spencer. He's probably taken so much abuse from everybody, and he comes out and yeah. has a, a very good performance on the road against a team that should have been much further along in this Big Ten, you know, season. And now he's kept their, their hopes alive of A, bowl eligibility, but B, even playing for something more, a conference championship, which is crazy to think about. The two quarterback stat lines in this one, Petrus, 192 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Aiden O'Connell, 168 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Pitiful. And off of those two interceptions, 10 Iowa points Pitiful. off of those turnovers. Pitiful. There's nothing else that i got to say. Uh, did you see that before the game, the Purdue – Boiler Boilermaker special, the train that leads the team out onto the field, stalled. Yes, I did. 
and I don't care because I was more so concerned with seeing the Boilermakers finally do something. You should have known after you saw the train, though, like, oh, this ain't going to – like, that was just the ultimate foreshadowing and God telling us, why would you pick this team? They're so disappointing. And I can't can't quit them because they're still not out of it. No, they're not. Boiler up, baby. Boiler up. up. Caleb Johnson for Iowa ran for 200 yards and a touchdown. His one touchdown was a 75-yarder. Sam Laporta caught his first touchdown catch of the season. That's unbelievable. Right? Yeah, first touchdown. That's crazy. Seventy-one yards for him. Uh, Charlie Jones. He lost the revenge game on Iowa, but he did have eleven catches and one hundred and four, one hundred and four yards receiving. So he had that much. Um, why don't we get into what I thought was the most shocking result of the weekend, which was the Michigan State Illinois yeah. game? Whoa. Michigan State goes into Champaign and beats Illinois 23 to 15. I I've I'm gonna put it this way. This with with Michigan State losing as many defensive players as they did due to suspensions from the tunnel incident, this to me was the equivalent of like the mom lifting the car to to save her her child who's stuck underneath it. Like it was that kind of like just adrenaline. Herculean performance that no one expected True. from this. And a lot of what had to do with it was that Illinois went for it on fourth down six different times today, or sorry, not today, but on Saturday, part of it was because of the wind and they didn't want to kick field goals into the wind. It was another weather issue, but on those fourth downs, they went one for six, one for six, one of those was a goal line stand that Michigan State, like it was a fourth and goal situation, and they and they didn't get it. The drive right before half that was in Michigan State territory, uh, midfield was where one happened. At the Michigan State twenty was where one happened, and then one happened in their own territory because they had to go for it late. They were down by like eight with a few minutes left. But those are multiple drives in Michigan State territory that stall on a on a fourth down that you just can't get it. And then on top of those failed fourth down conversions, which those might, those might as well be turnovers. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Like that, that might as well be a fumble or an interception. But then in the second half, they had a punt that their punter absolutely shanked and it went six yards and MSU got the ball at the Illinois 29 and scored. So if you just look at the box score of this game, yeah, Illinois, Illinois total yards, 441. Michigan State total yards, 294. Rushing yards, Illinois, 153. Michigan State, 112. Like, there's no way Illinois should have lost this game, but they could not finish any drives. Like I said, a Herculean effort from this Michigan State defensive line missing their best player. That's probably why Illinois is still ranked because losing a game like that against Michigan State, who has, for all lack of you know words, has just been a very disappointing football team this season. I would I yeah. would personally knock them out of the rankings entirely because that's what happened to Michigan State when they were eleventh. I think they were unranked after that loss against Washington. Um, but because Illinois, literally, you do anything else on those fourth downs, just one of them. Right. Like, odds are you win this game. 
given the 441 total yards of offense, like like you mentioned, but also the 31 minutes of time of possession. Like on paper, you would look at this without looking at the score and you say, Illinois wins this game. But kudos to Easily. kudos to Michigan State because the horror stories from every Michigan fan, this is what Michigan State does. They play gross, they play sloppy, and they capitalize on your mistakes, regardless if they're turnovers or not, or fumbles, interceptions, but with with a one for four, like you said, or excuse me, one for six, like you said, they six, might as yeah. well have been, you know, five turnovers in this game. And if, if you yeah. give Michigan State those chances, they are going to capitalize on it. We have seen it time and time and time again. And this kind of reminds me, uh, we t- I was talking about this with my buddy the other day, the 2010 Chargers. They had the number one scoring offense, the number one scoring defense in the NFL, and they had the worst special teams, and they missed the playoffs. Special teams killed kill Illinois in this the punt, not being able to kick a field goal. I don't care about the weather. Yeah, many teams were trying to kick field goals in this game. Even Ohio State and Northwestern were kicking extra points. Okay, yeah, take the points when you can get them, especially in a close game. Yeah, one hundred percent, and. I will shout out Peyton Thorne in this one because on the very first play of the game, he threw an interception absolutely clean the rest of the day. Like you'd rather throw that interception on the first play than, you know, deep into the fourth quarter of a one possession game. So he bounced back against what is the best secondary in the Big Ten probably Mm -hmm. at force and turnovers at least. I think this was game number 12 in a row with an interception for Illinois. And for him to get away with just the one on the first play – Pretty impressive. So DeVito, 288 yards through the air, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Chase Brown, 136 yards on the ground. He had an uncharacteristic fumble, too, in this game. He got smacked by an MSU defender and lost the ball. Isaiah Williams, 98 yards receiving and two touchdowns. And then Michigan State, Thorne had the uh, 182 yards through the air and two touchdowns and the one pick. Berger had 81 yards on the ground. And then Jaden Reed. Man, dude's a beast. Uh, five catches, 68 yards, and a tutty. So Michigan State escapes. They get a really nice bounce back win for them after uh, what I imagine was an emotional week. As much them. as I don't like them, good for them. That you know, the that's yeah. in a lost season for those players. Like they get a they get a really nice quality win. So that's that's cool for them. And Illinois, please please just please. win the rest of your games, please. I mean, don't beat Purdue because I still kind of want to root for them, but they're pissing me off. But if you're going to beat Purdue, don't lose to anybody else. Please, please. For us. Ohio State goes into Northwestern, plays a sloppy, close one. Now, like you said, all throughout the Midwest, this weather was crazy. The wind and the rain was a coming. And they were actually showing – video of uh i think ohio state's kicker's name is ruggles Mm -hmm. kicking uh before the game i mean the ball just like stopped in the air the wind just stopped it and would drop like 10 yards short of the goal post before the game it was crazy uh but it was one of those games where you're like all right it's gonna be ground and pound it's gonna be nasty like like you're gonna just want to get out of here with a win and they did 21 7 they ended up winning by 14 but this was a one possession game way late in the fourth quarter. And honestly, part of what broke it open was two of their scoring drives 
Stroud ended up using his feet. Like he was, he was running the ball a little bit and keeping it on some read options um, that set up big scores for them to try to break this one open. So Stroud in this game, not himself through the air, as you would expect only 10 of 26, 76 yards, zero touchdowns, like just not a stat line you ever see from Stroud, but that's just how bad the weather was. Um, the Northwestern side of things, they played really tough and really well. And this Sullivan kid at quarterback for them, he's kind of an athlete. Like he can make plays with his feet out there and, and kind of make something out of none, nothing every once in a while. Like, like they were pretty good. They, it wasn't just the weather. Like they played a good game. I would agree with that take. Um, but everything is just going to have its focus on Ohio state. It was monsoon levels of weather, but the other team on the other side has to play in those same conditions. Um, And I I think because you don't want to look into it too much because everyone can make assumptions. Oh, because they played this way, then they're going to be outmatched in the trenches by Michigan. That could be true, but this is what you look at when, when you have a game like this. Ohio State should have won by a billion points, but they didn't. They still figured out a way to win, and they made some slight adjustments. C.J. Stroud had 75 rushing yards. C.J. Stroud is not a dual-threat quarterback, but he made huge plays in this game when they needed it. And Northwestern just assumed that he wasn't going to run the ball because he's not a dual-threat quarterback. But you made those adjustments. You were able to move the ball down the field in an unorthodox way in those conditions against that team. Now, they could not run the ball whatsoever. And this has been an issue outside of like those big plays from Stroud because they weren't expecting it. Mayan Williams did have two touchdowns in this game, but he was not very successful on the ground. And Ohio... Especially in, especially in some obvious running situations, like on some short third downs. Ohio State on the day was four for 15 yeah. on third down. A lot of those being... Third, third and shorts where they're just lining up our guys against your guys running the ball and they didn't convert. And I was very surprised that Ohio State continued to pass as long as they did. I think it was still deep into the fourth quarter that they were taking deep shots. And the, obviously the deeper throw that you have in this game, the more you're leaving it up for chance with the wind. Um, I, I really don't know what to say about this game given – Get, yeah, it's hard to know how much to take away from it because the weather was such a factor. Correct. Um, but at the end of the day, Ohio State scored 21 points, which is like the longest streak in Division One. 70 straight games, 70 games of scoring 21 yeah. points or more. Um, and they got out with a two-possession win. So you can you can cut this game any which way that you want it to. But the fact of the matter is, they didn't look good. They won. They didn't look good, but they still won. And you can say, oh, is that a bad thing that they didn't look good and they still won? Or is it a good thing that they didn't look good and they still won? So beauty is in the eye of the beholder for this game. But I do know this. Northwestern is a bad football team. And if I were a true Buckeye fan, I would not be very happy with that performance. And I think most of them probably are yeah. not. Uh we gave you Stroud's uh, stat line. Mayan Williams, 26 carries, 111 
uh, yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Marvin Harrison, five catches, 51 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, that's just a product of just further emphasizing how big of a deal the weather was. Mm -hmm. For Northwestern, Evan Hull, 30 carries, 122 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. And then their quarterback, Sullivan, 79 passing yards, 55 rushing yards. Kid can do it on the ground. Uh, he's a true sophomore, I believe. So Northwestern, um, I'm not saying I'm buying stock early, but might be a nice little young core here with those two running backs and Sullivan. And just saying, I uh, I might want to buy some stock next year. We'll see. We'll see. You never know. Uh, Wisconsin takes care of business against Maryland at home, 23-10. to 10. This game was another one where the weather was a huge factor. Uh, it was very evident very, very early on in this game. Maryland wanted no part of playing in the cold, of playing in the rain, of playing a knockout, drag out, Big Ten tough football game. And I think that's something that Loxley is going to have to figure out if he's going to have teams that that last and do some damage in the Big Ten. Because it feels like right now, like Maryland returned all five of their starters on on the offensive line from last season. But they don't – I never watch Maryland and think, oh, that's a tough football mm-hmm. team. Like that's a physical football team. They have great skill guys on the outside. They have great skill guys in the backfield. They have Talia who can run around and can sling it. And then in the trenches, in a game like this, you're like, oh, they don't have it. Like the one touchdown they scored happened with under a minute left in the game. Before that, it, they had a field goal all day. So if Loxley wants to build a team that's going to compete at the Power 5 level and at the Big 10 level, he's going to have to get the offensive line figured out at some point. Uh, because Wisconsin, they were more than ready to play a tough game. And it reflects kind of the personality of them as a program and Jim Leonard as a coach. Like they were ready to get down and dirty to win this game. I I think so. And I think more so the story of this game has to be Wisconsin getting back to its identity of we are going to run the football down your throat. This was an ugly game. Everybody knew it. I saw it on my TV. Like the colors were distorted. And if you are a Wisconsin football fan, you go into that game every single time and like, we got them right where we want them. And it's the perfect storm because Maryland, as you pointed out, is one of those teams that doesn't have necessarily an offense that is can do that quite yet. And even so they're de- like they are they're probably an ACC school that's stuck in, in the Big Ten East right now. Right. Um it's a good point. And I would say and I would make the argument that Ohio State has that like explosive offense in a very rough and tough conference because they have that elite talent. So like when you get a Ohio state, Wisconsin scenario and you're trying to do rough and tough when the talent just isn't, you know, matching up on the outside, you're going to get, you're going to get burned. Right. But, but when the talent gap is there, that's where the toughness is like, okay, who's tougher. And if it's like, if the talent gap is little, the toughest team is going to go win that battle nine times out of 10 if the talent level is and like, if the talent level is the same, like we probably saw with a Maryland and Wisconsin, right. The toughest team is going to steamroll that team. And I mean, kudos to Wisconsin. They've had a horrible start to their year, but they've bounced back. 
very quickly, and not very quickly, excuse me, I'm going to retract that statement, but they've bounced back well and impressive. And yep. they've put, again, they've put themselves back in the Big Ten West race. I just want to see, double check real quick, um, because I want to see who popped off. Uh, Allen had a great game as well, but I think it wasn't just him either. And uh, they got back to Wisconsin football. And that's what's made them a perennial West winner is by playing their style of football. 100%. It was Wisconsin football. Each team had 77 passing yards. So you look at the rushing numbers, Wisconsin ran for 278 yards, averaged six per carry. Maryland ran for 112, averaged 2.7 per carry. So that tells you the game right there. To your point, Allen popped off. He had 119 yards and a touchdown. And then Garendo, backup. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but he had 114 yards and one touchdown, it was an 89-yarder, his touchdown. So Wisconsin ran the ball. It's what they do. It's what they love to do. And they got out of there with a win. Uh, a game that I do not want to spend too much time on. This was the the battle of the backup quarterbacks this week in the Big Ten. Minnesota beats Nebraska 20-13. to 13. Uh, Had to come back to do it. They were uh, down in, at halftime in this game, Minnesota was. And then, shockingly enough, Tanner Morgan got knocked out of the game right before half. And then Ethan Kaliak Manis or uh, Ethan uh, Kilbasa, Killmonger, <laughs> as we were calling him a couple weeks ago, he led him to the win in the second half. But for Nebraska, Purdy was starting in the first half because Casey Thompson's hurt. And then he was like trading drives with Logan Smothers in the second half. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. This was an ugly game. I, <laughs> <laughs> not too much to talk about here. No. To be honest, both of these teams are pretty irrelevant when it comes to the Big Ten West race. One one thing to say, when you have just a, a, eh, this is like no one really wants to win this game, what do you do? You rely on your star, on your star player. Mo Ibrahim, again, for the 50 millionth time, 100 yards yeah. rushing. Took him 32 carries to do it, but he did do it, and he scored two touchdowns. That's the story, okay? When push comes to shove, yeah, right. Minnesota had the best player on the field, and you got the dub because of that. And in a place where, you know, Nebraska isn't that easy of a place to win, regardless of whether they're struggling or not. Um, and it was very clear with the revolving door of quarterbacks that they had that even a Minnesota team who did have the best player on the field by far still struggled and had to come back and win this game. I will say that's impressive. If your best player is your running back and you were down what 13 to zero and you had to claw your yeah, way back, you I had mean. to, com- you had to commit to the run. And that's clearly what they did because Ibrahim had those 32 carries like that takes some, that takes some balls, I would say. And just some not, and not physical toughness, but mental toughness there to like, this is how we're going to win this game. It's going to take, forever to do it but if we can't do it this way then we're not going to do it any other way and i guess kudos to minnesota and you're still somehow in this race i don't know how but yeah i think i think everyone's in it i think i'm in it i think i'm in the race (sighs) producing it (laughs) uh minnesota dominated time of possession per usual which i think goes to your point of them being able to come back and win uh, they're actually on 10 nothing and a half, not 13, but still impressive for them to get the dub. Yeah. Penn State takes care of business against IU 45 to 14. 
Uh, Penn State was, I mean, they're just the better football team and they played like it. Sean Clifford was QB1. I know there was some talk about Franklin evaluating that last week. Clifford ended up being the guy. Uh, their defense showed out in this one too. Set a record, school record for tackles for loss in a game at 16. Um, Indiana was playing without Bazelak, who's hurt. I think he should be back next week though, is what, uh, what Allen was saying. So they had Tuttle, who started the game and then he got knocked yep. out and they ended up waffling between a few third stringers similar to Nebraska. So when you got a bad QB situation like that and you're playing a team that is as talented as Penn State, I mean you're 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 not going to have a good day, that's for sure. Listen, this game was just sheer domination. It was over in the first quarter. Yeah. I, I I was watching it and I'm just like wow, Penn State is so much better than this Indiana team. And maybe that it was over or outshined because of the backup quarterback play. But I do remember specifically when Clifford threw his, the first interception of the game very early on, uh, Franklin was not happy. I think James is about ready to see Sean Clifford graduate and leave the school because he is yeah. I, personally, this is my, this is just unfiltered opinion, not off of any merit whatsoever. Uh, I, I don't think he likes Clifford at all. And he kind of, and I feel like he has, I feel like he, he feels like he has to start him. Like right now. You would not be alone in not liking him. A lot of Penn State fans do not want him to be starting, but um, I mean, he's, he's the best of like the older quarterbacks in the Big Ten, right? Like the Tanner Morgans, the Aiden O'Connells. Like he's the best one of all of them, clearly. But he's just not a difference maker. Like these 60-year guys, they're never difference makers. They they can steady the waters for you, but once you come up against a real elite team, they're not going to be a difference maker for you, and that's just the bottom line. You know who is a difference maker? Katron Allen is a difference maker. Led the team in receiving and rushing, and he also had three scores on top of that. So, basically, did yay. Now, future cast for Penn State fans, just to cheer you up a little bit after this year. Sean Clifford's going to be gone. You got Drew Aller, who's a former five star, uh, who's sitting on the bench right now, learning, growing. Him, Singleton, and Allen. If you can figure out the offensive line and keep that defense playing at the level they are. Nittany Lions, you got stuff to be excited about. So uh, just just wait it out with Clifford. He's going to be out here in a, in a minute in a retirement home, and then you get to watch a bunch of young guys go out there and play yeah, football. Yeah, go file for your AARP card, Clifford. <laughs> he had 229 through the air, no touchdowns, one interception. Singleton uh, tacked on to Allen's 86 yards with 73 of his own along with a touchdown. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for that one. So last game. One that uh, had us a little more nervous than we expected to be this weekend as a couple of Michigan fans. Michigan beats Rutgers 52-17, to but this one was 17-14 at halftime with Michigan having multiple first-half blunders. They had a blocked punt for a touchdown. They had two missed field goals by one of the best field goal kickers in the country. Uh they just came out flat. They Rutgers pushed them to two fourth and goals in the first half that they ended up converting for touchdowns, but still it doesn't make you feel great. Um, but 
in typical Michigan fashion, like you were saying, Corey, and during the grading, that second half was all Michigan. Outscored them 38 to zip, and they ended up cruising, but they didn't make it easy on us in the first half. Listen, I won't talk too much on, on this game because we're obviously Michigan fans and people don't like that um, who listen to the podcast, but um, I was very nervous at the first half of this game because of one thing they went away from their identity and they were trying to force plays that were, you know, very clearly against their offensive game plan. I would say JJ looked a little uncomfortable doing the two minute drill in late in the first half, simply because I don't think they were prepped to be in that situation this early in the game. And the fact that there was probably a little pressure. It's like, we don't want to be down at halftime to Rutgers um, and they went away from running the ball and kudos to Rutgers because they sold out. They were going to stop the run and they did for a period of time. So they had the game plan, uh, but ultimately in the second half and, and the good of this Michigan game, they they were just a better team (laughs) flat out. They, yeah. And the better in games like this, most of the time, the better team ends up winning. And Rutgers had a third string quarterback quickly too. Two. Rutgers had a third-string quarterback playing. I think he's technically their starter, but he's been, like, hurt Over Vedral? all year. I don't know. Over huh? Vedral? There's no way. There's no shot. I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. But all I know is this Wimsat kid was a four-star recruit, so they were, like, hype about him. I don't really know what their quarterback situation is. They've waffled between guys. He looked really bad. But I thought Vedral was the guy. Winsett looked really bad in the second half. He like some of those interceptions were just they yeah. he just threw straight to Barrett. Yeah, part of why Michigan was able to get back in this game so fast: three interceptions in the third quarter. One of them was a pick six, um, and and so just like that, they they took over this game really really quickly. Um, but yeah, I don't really get Rutgers' quarterback situation. But I was under the impression he was supposed to be their guy, but. But regardless, so yeah, to focus on Michigan for a second before we move on to the picks, uh, you you mentioned JJ struggling a little bit. Something I've talked about with a couple of fellow Michigan fans. I think this Michigan team, at some point this year, they're going to need a guy in the wide receiver room or the tight end room to really step up and make some plays for JJ. I mean, Donovan Edwards was the leading receiver in this game with three catches for 52 yards. And I was texting you guys during the game. I was probably annoying the crap out of you. Every time there was a dropped 50-50 ball or just a plain drop in general, I was texting you in the group chat. Like, there's another one for Ronnie Bell. There's another one for Cornelius Johnson. There's Schoonmaker with a ball that hits him in the chest in the end zone. It was tough. There were two guys around him. But J.J. puts it on the spot. And a guy just doesn't come down with a 50-50 ball for him. Like, J.J., his numbers are not looking great. But he, but these receivers, and I'm not trying to, like, trash them or anything. I just don't think they're elite at creating separation. And at the same time, they're not elite at coming down with 50-50 balls. And that doesn't make for easy throws for your quarterback to make. So... People complain about him having short throws, right? Like them scheming up, you know, tight end curl routes and stuff like that. 
it might be more about them not trusting the guys they have in the wide receiver room than them not trusting J.J. McCarthy. And thank God they have as elite of a running game as they do because, I mean, someone in the receiver room just has to step up and make plays for this guy. It might, it might be Donovan Edwards. I mean, he had a couple of big catches in this game. Uh, and then also put keep in mind, Roman Wilson, who has been that go-to guy, he was not playing in this game for whatever reason. We don't really know True. why. Um, and I guess I was very wrong at the beginning of the year. I did think Michigan's wide receiver room was very talented. And I even made the argument to say that they were the number two uh, wide receiving room in the Big Ten. But with these drops, it, it, you can't you can't make that claim anymore. Will it be different with Roman Wilson back in the mix? Because I feel like he's a guy that I consistently see is open. And if he's open, you're going to have to you – know, it, it, it's – it's a well-oiled machine, right? If you have one guy that's getting, that's burning the defense on his own, you're going to have to, you know, account for him, and that's going to clear up some other space for somebody else. I would, I would like to think Schoonmaker doesn't drop the ball when he's got some space, okay? So if Roman Wilson is what it takes to get Schoonmaker open, I'll take that. I'll take that safe pass all the time. If uh, Schoonmaker is what it takes to take away that short pass, but then you get a little bit of separation over the top for, you know, some of our burners, Bell or Andre Anthony, then that's what it takes. And maybe that's what Michigan was trying to do, trying to get these guys healthy, ready for, you know, the weeks ahead, because this is the most important stretch of the year for them, just like it is for Ohio State. Everything is going to come down to the game in November. All eyes from the Big Ten are going to be watching that game. That's just how it's going to be. You got to take care of business. I think Michigan is pretty locked in, given the fact that uh, also, which we haven't even mentioned, uh, Rutgers had 14 rushing yards in this game. Another opponent held under 50 rushing yards for Michigan. That is ludicrous. That defensive line is built from the inside out. They've got hefty boys at defensive tackle and athletic ends. It's an incredibly built defensive line. Crazy. Absolutely crazy, but we've spent too much time talking on this. We gotta, we gotta get to what the people are really listening for, and that's the coin. And that's the coin, baby. Uh, JJ had three touchdowns, two through the air, one rushing. Corum continues his campaign for the Heisman Trophy: 109 yards on the ground and two tutties. We'll see if he, I think he's getting invited to to the Heisman ceremony for sure. Don't feel like he's going to win it, but I think he's getting well, invited. A lot least. of your front runners this weekend didn't have stellar performances. So, Hendon Hooker. Oh, that's true. So, it, it's again, it's the game. The game might also be for the Heisman Trophy moment. Yeah. All right. Now for the picks for our favorite time. Uh, this week, I beat out the coin, baby. I went four and three. The coin went three and four. Ethan had a rough week at two and five. So, we caught up a little bit to him. There might be some opportunity here. No, we didn't. The door might be just a little bit open for us to get back in this race and catch up to Ethan. So week 11 games, we've got seven more games. So ample opportunity for us to make up some ground. Uh, Ethan normally picks last. Did he text us his picks nope, yet? Nope, he didn't. We'll put it on later. What a bum. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll make him pick. Don't worry. So it's just going to be us. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, explain the game. I'll go last, because I have the coin. Okay, you I'll got the coin. the coin. So, 
First game up, Indiana traveling to Ohio State. Ohio State is a 40-point favorite right now. Um, with IU potentially not having a healthy Bazelak, they have a horrible, horrible offensive line. They also have a horrible secondary. Oh, I, I've got a tough time with that 40 number. It is very large. Um, you know what? It's too big. It's too big. Give me, give me IU. I know it doesn't make sense, but 40 is a very, very large number. Give me IU. Oh, wow. It landed on its side. It's a push. <laughs> Stop it right now. Stop. That's the one advantage to the coin is that you can't pick pushes. Yeah, so I, I would pick a push in this game. Uh, it was tails. Therefore I have to pick IU. To cover. Hey, I like picking with the coin. The coin's right most of the time. About as intelligent as we yes. are. Next game, Purdue traveling to Illinois. Illinois minus six and a half. I think, to your point, talking earlier about if the talent is fairly similar, the most physical and tougher team wins this one. To me, Illinois probably is really upset at themselves for letting this game get away against Michigan State. I think they bounce back. I think they're the tougher th- team. I think they're the more physical team, and I think they beat Purdue by more than six and a half, so give me Illinois. Illinois is going to win by 50 solely because of my disgust for this Purdue team is is at an all-time high. But to the coin, we've got heads. Illinois, according to the coin, is going to cover. You should have just picked Purdue. I should have because they're going. I think they're going to win this game. No, I don't. What am I saying? I'm crazy. You are crazy. Rutgers traveling to Michigan State. Michigan State is a 10-point favorite. Um, I think Michigan State's probably feeling themselves a little bit. They're at home. Uh, Rutgers is just really bad. They don't know who their quarterback is. I don't like Michigan State. I don't think they're a very good team, but I, I guess I'll take the favorites here. Coin is taking the favorites. It landed heads, but I will say, watch out, Dark Horse. This might be the most exciting game of the weekend for the Big Ten. All right, I'm going to assign that one to you to watch then. Oh, gosh. Nebraska at Michigan. Michigan is minus 29 and a half. I think Michigan's at home. Nebraska, well, uh, you know what? I think Michigan – gets out ahead of them in the second half here like they've done for their past four opponents. Last four games for Michigan, they've outscored opponents 100-3 to three in the second half. Absolutely insane coaching job by this staff. So 29.5 is a large number, but Michigan's at home. Uh, I think they're disappointed with how they played Rutgers, so give me Michigan. No thoughts, just the coin. It was heads. Michigan covers as I knocked over my microphone. I have all the same picks as the coin, and I love this. Maryland traveling to Penn State. Penn State is a 10-point favorite right now. This one is a little tricky for me. A little tricky because when the talent's similar, you go with the tougher team, right? That seems to be a theme this episode. I, I don't know how like physically tough in the trenches Penn State is, you know? Like I, well, we saw it. 
When? Michigan, Penn State. <laughs> they were not tough well, we, in the trenches. We, yeah, exactly. So, so you know what? Maryland makes so many mistakes, and they're on the road. Frick, I'm going to pick Maryland. This is a rivalry game for Maryland. Remember that. Remember that. Oh, true. You're right. But to the coin. Heads again. Gosh dang it. The coin loves a favorite. Holy. Wisconsin traveling to Iowa. Wisconsin is a one and a half point favorite. So stupid. It's a dumb line. It's a dumb line. It is a dumb line. It is a dumb line. It started off as even. Why would anybody bet that spread? That's You are degenerates out I there. Would, I would never bet this in a thousand years. If you're going to bet it, just bet money line. Uh, Wisconsin, one and a half point favorite on the road. They love their head coach a lot, but this is the best defense they've played. I was at home. I mean, this basically comes down to who I think is going to win the game. And... I think because of how elite Iowa's defense is, they turn Graham Mertz over more than Wisconsin turns Spencer Petrus over. So give me Iowa. They're going to need – this is going to be another one of those games where don't look at the the over-under and just bet the under. Just hammer it. But to the coin. Ooh, it's taken Iowa. That's the stupid spread. Ooh. The stupidest spread I've ever seen. Stupid idiot. Taking the points. I like it. Last game of the week. Northwestern traveling to Minnesota. Minnesota is minus 17 and a half. Um, Minnesota keeps getting banged up at quarterback. Northwestern's got a nice athletic quarterback. And honestly, I think both these teams are just going to run the ball too much. And so the clock is just going to go like that. It's going to be such a fast game that I don't think Minnesota will have time to get up 17 and a half points. So give me Northwest. I like your thoughts, but I, you know what I like better, Alex? What? The thoughts of the coin. The coin. What do you think it took? Minnesota. It took Minnesota. Minnesota. Or did we differentiate at all? Oh yeah, we did the last the last like two games. We were okay. different. I'm so. coming for you. We'll see, buddy. Uh, that is all we've got. Thank you for listening. The college football season is absolutely heating up, so please tune in every single week. Follow us wherever you listen. Leave us reviews, and then follow us on Instagram at Big Show Pod for even more content from us. So thank you for listening. We will talk to you next Woo-hoo. week. See you.